Welcome to 2420, the bite-sized educational podcast from Cannaboom. And Kurt Robbins, author of more than 500 articles about the science of hemp and cannabis. We're giving 20 cannabis topics 20 minutes each to help you get smarter about terpenes, cannabinoids, cultivars, and much, much more. And our show starts now. Hey, it's Tom. We're back with Kurt Robbins for uh, 2420, our ongoing series of 20-minute bite-sized educational bits. Hey, Kurt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Tom. How's life in San Diego? Good. Uh, getting my second shot soon and looking forward to going out to restaurants and having a beer at a bar and just living life again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Back back in the norm, the things that are dear and special to us. Uh, yeah, I, I miss the, uh, the bar experience too. I, you know, I, I know both of us prefer to tout CBD and THC over ethanol and, you know, being heavy drinkers, but there is something that's really fun, uh, in North America about sitting at a bar and, and meeting people and having a few drinks. I think it's going to be a fun summer in that there's so much pent up demand for just human connection. And, uh, you know, let's all get out there and have fun this year. I think you're right. Here in Vegas, they're setting new records every weekend. Uh, so uh, I know their best year to date was a few years ago when they hit 46 million people came to visit Vegas in one calendar year. So uh, some are predicting they're going to beat it because of all this pent up demand. So we'll see. It's going to be the roaring 20s all over again. <laughs> Let's hope only with legal weed, right? <laughs> you brought up a really good topic that bears some scrutiny, and it relates to an article published in the Journal of General Internal Medicine in March about internet claims on the health benefits of cannabis use. Right. So tell us about that. Well, this is uh, the results of this study, you know, the get almost clickbaitish in that, uh, in a nutshell, they found, and we'll talk about the details in a second, but the results that blow everybody's mind are they checked all these information sources and searched for terms like marijuana benefits and weed benefits and marijuana health and cannabis health, you know, et cetera, all trying to see what was available through lay publications to lay people uh, on the internet as amplified by social media. And they found that 80% by their definition, that's just one study and one set of researchers, but by their definition, 80% of what they found was patently totally false. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, what was patently totally true? They said it was only 4.9%. Oh, my God. Not even 5%. Now, here's where it gets a, a, a little complicated is it is very important to recognize the fact that these researchers did not consider non-clinical data. So the you and I often dis discuss research, right, into these cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids. And that research is sometimes in the form of a, a clinical trial involving human beings, right? That's the gold standard. And we dedicated an entire episode way back when uh, to research and, and the methodologies and what it's all about. So the gold standard, the best you can do is a human trial and they call it a placebo controlled double or triple blind. And they're very expensive. They're major, sometimes multi-year, multi continent projects. Um, but valid data is obtained from non-human trials, from uh, rodent and animal studies. They also have an endocannabinoid system, and uh, sometimes their biochemistry is shockingly similar to humans. So from a science perspective, we learn a lot when we experiment on animals. Um, and uh, the 
you know, test tube studies, uh, what we sometimes call petri dish studies, uh, and uh, that don't involve any animals whatsoever, but they still can reveal that, say, a certain cannabinoid or terpene might have some anti-cancer efficacy. These are, and then the next step is to experiment on animals, and then if we still get positive results that are good for the human race, then we finally escalate to a human trial, and that's basically the way research works. So these researchers and coming up with these very conservative, very strict numbers, but like I said, are almost clickbaitish, have said if it's not a human trial, we're we're not going to consider it. So any other research that supported these terms that they searched for, they would have said no, that's false. Why? Because it's not a human trial. So that's a pretty rigorous methodology. Um, exactly. We need to look for that kind of thing. But you know, if we if we kind of telescope back a little to maybe a macro view of this, and let's say over decades, we know that in the prohibition era there was flat out lies around for madness, right? There was a ton of they, government right. propaganda that was just, that was all not They invented stuff. misinformation, exactly. Disinformation, misinformation, however you want to slice that onion. Uh, you know, the folks in the 19-teens and 1920s and 1930s, this lasted for a long time, this era, uh, fabricated stories of how, you know, a young man smoked marijuana and took up a hatchet and killed his entire family. This sounds ridiculous by modern standards. And you and I have talked about it a bit on uh, past episodes. But this these were being printed in like, you know, San Francisco's major newspapers uh, by the Hearst family, William Randolph Hearst. Uh, and without getting into all that granularity and what happened during those 30 years, uh, it's important to say that that misinformation overstated the risks and and uh, and the harm provided by this plant. They sometimes they took what you know people do have panic attacks and such sometimes when they smoke THC uh, potent cannabis, uh, but they were just creating these crazy. Uh, uh, hyperbole laden stories that looked great. It was like the original clickbait in the newspapers of the 19 teens and 1920s, right? It was really crazy. But again, their misinformation said, this is really, really bad stuff. This is toxic. This is poison. Today's misinformation, which shockingly is just as thick as it was back in the original reefer madness. This is as a science person, I'm a little wigged out. Okay, but today's misinformation overstates the benefits. Why? Because they're carpetbaggers trying to sell more bottles. That's interesting. I mean, there was a dynamic setup where everyone went, "Well, you can't believe anything that's official about cannabis because it's all lies." So there was a vacuum where people were willing to accept anything that was a new claim. Exactly. Exactly. I think to to you know give listeners a little more insight into the study, uh, these. these these guys are true professionals. They did a very uh, nice job of, of tersely describing the work that they did in this research. And so let me briefly uh, read their entire introduction. It is, the prevalence of cannabis use is rising among the U.S. population. As cannabis continues to be legalized throughout the USA, people are turning to the internet and social media for information about its potential health benefits. In this study, we characterize internet claims about the health benefits of cannabis use in the lay press and evaluate the evidence base supporting those claims. 
that's it. That and that's very important because their methodology and their approach to this situation of misinformation in the modern world uh, is really critical to whether they brought bias to the game or whether they're doing this correctly. Yeah, trying to find a baseline of scientific evidence and saying, okay, we know this is true and going from there. Right. And they have to draw the line somewhere. But I I would not say that I'm not sure I'd go as far as saying that this is a biased study. I think it was an extremely strict study. And then it said nothing non-clinical because you and I, again, we talk about uh, the results of non-clinical yet peer-reviewed hardcore scientific research uh, on almost every episode. So I think there's extremely valid data to be collected as we try to figure out the mystery of you know how these terpenes and flavonoids and cannabinoids interact with humans to improve our, our mental state or our health state. Well, yeah, and to kind of go along that continuum from, okay, we're, we're done with the propaganda. There's a certain amount of folklore. There's common sense, but we want to step it up to scientifically rigorous objective knowledge. Exactly. And I think this is an excellent and very recent example of that, whether you agree with their methodology. And again, I think it's a bit overly strict, but uh, it's it doesn't just because it's overly strict doesn't mean it's an invalid way of approaching this. Now I want to see another study done that maybe this would inspire uh, some other researchers to go in and do it and broaden the scope of research results they're willing to consider. Uh, but someone will do that, right? It's a large uh, competitive world. Well, and the doctors I talk to say there's so much research going on. I mean, it's hard to keep up uh, week by week with what's really happening now, and that's great. But for listeners, for the for the average cannabis consumer or CBD consumer out there, what's the best way to know when you're, say, you're shopping or you're looking for some information about nanotechnology or, uh, you know, are nanoparticles of, of CBD tincture any good or not? Are they good? Right. Nano emulsion tech. I've been talking yeah. about it in videos and articles recently. Uh, it's really hot among, especially in, you know, among cannabis industry professionals. Everybody's really interested, wondering if there's dollar signs attached to that. You know, what are the pros? What are the, what are the cons? So to your point, who the heck can you trust? If somebody says, yay, nano emulsion technology is the bomb, everybody should be doing it. Well, how, why should I trust that source? If someone else, and this is the reality of the situation, says, ooh, nanotech's bad, uh, it's like GMO, it hurts the environment over time. When we get tons of it, it's going to be like plastic in the ocean. There's fear mongering, there's conspiracy theories. Unfortunately, you know, I love social media, but social media really helps uh, fire up conspiracy theories. And uh, it's all based on ignorance, right? It's what you and I have been preaching in every episode of the series. It's science, right? It's reasonable, objective, evidence-based, science-based research results. They need to drive business. They need to drive regulatory oversight, and they need to drive consumer and patient behavior. There's a marketplace of ideas out there, and sometimes it overlays into the, the marketplace of products. But wanting to discern the truth of things before you put this substance into your body, uh, yeah. I think you need to, yeah, as you say, consider the source and look for uh, reputable sources of information. You know, I, I look to my doctors who I've interviewed, who I trust, and I look for um, U.S. Hemp Authority certified CBD products that I know have met a certain standard. That's a, that's a level of trust. Business associations and trade groups and associations, uh, there's either trust or there's not trust. And you, yeah, I know you've been paying attention to those cats for a while now. And uh, you know 
you know, it's not your first rodeo. You know whether you can trust them or not, right? Yeah, and sometimes you have to outsource it. I'm not a chemist. You know, I, I wouldn't know where right. to start. <laughs> but I, I talk to chemists and doctors, and I do trust them. I mean, I, certainly doctors have a higher standard of proof. I mean, sometimes I've been frustrated in that, you know, can't you tell me that the anti-tumor properties are going to be good for someone who has cancer? And they, they won't go that far because, as you say, there's not a clinical study that they can point to. So it's going to take time for some of these things to manifest themselves. But in the meantime, you do have to pay attention to yeah. your sources. Yeah. You know, and I, I do, for the record, like the wellness professionals and others in the industry who use that as, as their line in the sand, the clinical trial. They're like, look, unless we have multiple, you know, high level, well-financed, well-organized clinical trials involving human beings, they're not going to buy the hype. They're not going to believe that uh, limonene is is good for asthma or cancer or, you know, that there might be an anti-inflammation mechanism built into the interaction of many of these phytomolecules with the mammalian and human endocannabinoid systems. So, yeah, who, who do you trust? Uh, well, let's get back to that because I think that's what best serves listeners. Um, I, well, okay, I have a client in Colorado and they're a terpene company and... I, in every article, we do two articles a month. We're going to turn it up louder uh, in the near future. Um, but we're putting out a lot of content, right? And it's all about the medicinal efficacy of terpenes. And I cite peer-reviewed research studies. We embed links right in our stinking article. So it's like, don't trust me. Go, go trust. Go. I'm going to show you my underwear drawer. I'm going to show you my source material. There's no secrets here. Go check out this research study. And some of them get very complicated. So I feel for patients and readers who are like, whoa, wait, you know, this is a little too complicated. It, it is, you know, sometimes, like you say, you got to outsource it and go bring in a, a, a chemist to, to help you dissect everything or a doctor or something. Um, but many of these research studies and this March uh, 2021 study here regarding misinformation is a great example. I encourage you to, you know, drop a link in the show notes for the listeners so they can check it out on their own. Uh, but they they did a very nice job of dropping overly scientific verbiage, and they it's it's very readable. The readability is 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 right up there. It's not intimidating at all for readers. And this is kind of a a trend in research studies. And some of them, some researchers realize that if you make it a little more readable to the layperson, you're, you're going to get more people reading it, right? And a larger audience is always a good thing. They're not doing these studies, so only two people read about it. Right. I mean, it's the efficacy of the information. <laughs> you know, it's, it's easier to have an impact if you make it intelligible. I'm looking at it now, and I like there's a flow chart in it, which is a great yeah. um, aid to understanding. And part of good research is just transparency. They're not hiding anything in terms of, you know, motive or mechanism or investigative approach. And, uh, you know, this is a good, solid study. Again, it's a very strict study. And I think somebody who wanted to be uh, uh, whiny about it could say, oh, they were biased in their approach because they didn't consider the non-clinical data, you know. Um, everybody's got an opinion. That's that's one way of looking at it. Again, my I'm going to officially say it's just very conservative. It's one approach to it, right? Like a truck, a pickup truck is an approach to a vehicle. So is a Porsche Turbo. That's that's another approach to a vehicle. 
Absolutely. Uh, just this week, as we record this, uh, New York, New Mexico, and Virginia came online as, as the latest right. case to decriminalize. Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, is talking about federal decriminalization. So the tide keeps turning. I mean, we, we talk about this month after month, but boy, it sure seems like uh, we've hit a tipping point here. And there are going to be more and more people who are logging on, looking for information. Yeah. There's going to be some charlatans out there promising the moon. There is a need yep. for good, reliable, trustworthy information. Yeah, you bring up a great point. Eventually, we're not sure exactly when it's going to happen, but every single North American will have legal access to adult use cannabis, some of whom could even grow it themselves, not all, but but some. And uh, they're going to need reliable information about how to grow it and how to store it. And uh, if I if I party a little too much, how do I deal with that? What's the underlying mechanisms? And, and you know, what's just because other things, you know, if we eat too much food or drink too much alcohol or, or those are uh, most of uh, North Americans are used to dealing with those situations, good, bad or indifferent. But cannabis is very new to most consumers. You and I have been doing it for a long time, but we're quite honestly not the norm. And people, uh, it's great to see enthusiasm when a state goes legal, right? And folks want to get on board and go to the new dispensary. But uh, if, you know, if they walk in and say, what's good for pain? And the bud tender says, any indica will do. Uh you know, we got a little problem, right? <laughs> sure. Well, and having worked in marketing, I know you've always got to tell the consumers, your, your prospects about the potential benefits, but sometimes those benefits can get blown out of proportion uh, if Absolutely. you're not careful. So there's always a tension between marketing and, and actual reality. <laughs> uh, let's put it that way. But for sure, you know, you, yeah. you do want to let people know what to expect with the product, but do it within the parameters of something that's verifiable. Yeah, everybody's got to put food on the table and make a fair profit. But how do you do so within an ethical and factual zone? And therein lies the issue. And like we're saying, uh, you know, more than 100 years ago, when reefer madness emerged among the states, ironically, California was the first state to make cannabis illegal. Also, the first state, uh, oh, not the first state then to re-legalize it, right? That was Washington and Colorado. So it's really funny how uh, people misperceive a lot of this. We're getting close to 20 minutes. Um, what's your best advice for our listeners who, who want to stay well-informed? Do they wait for the New York Times to put it on the front page? Or <laughs> is there... Well. It, it's pretty geeky, but you can go straight to the research. That's what a lot of people don't realize is just go directly to the research and cut out the middleman. Now, I'm kind of a middleman, okay, so I'm not necessarily advocating that, but uh, I, th I think I do two things personally. I go straight to the research. Well, I do three things. And then I find researchers and follow them on Twitter or LinkedIn, like PhDs and medical researchers. And obviously, I'm focusing on folks who are researching cannabinoids and terpenes and flavonoids and things having to do with hemp, cannabis, and marijuana. Do, do you use uh, Google Scholar or how do you find those people? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I use Google Scholar to develop a lot of my articles and prepare for webinars and such um, just because uh, it taps into to so much of what we're talking about and recommending here, peer review. Uh, scientific research published in reputable journals. Good place to look. Yeah, you know, and then find experts who you trust, and that's that's another tricky one. But uh, and then there are sources like magazines, and and uh, sometimes these are thought leaders who summarize the research for us. I I'm one of them, quite honestly, where I'll I'll do the deep 
dive and I'll summarize the data and then I can present that. Sometimes if we're good at presenting it, we can present it in a single tweet, right? Uh, that's called summarization. And if it's a you know 38-page research study that goes into that one tweet, well, there's a bit of time and effort involved in that. But uh, what we're talking about is finding trustable sources since the, the research studies are not always friendly to read, you can find a middle person like me who does, again, the analysis and the summarization and presents it to you in a language that with which you're comfortable. Yeah, I do follow you on Twitter. And, you know, sometimes Twitter is for doom scrolling or joy scrolling or, you know, you, you see things in, in little bits. But I love your presentation on LinkedIn where there's a little more context. You can see a graphic Oftentimes, you'll, you've started to do video there too, which can be very arresting for the people who are scrolling and they see you talking and you're saying good stuff. So I will say to all our listeners, definitely follow Kurt both on Twitter and LinkedIn if you really want to learn about cannabis because, boy, there's, there's nobody else out there who's breaking it down the way I see you. Well, thanks, Tom. I, I appreciate it. And just, uh, you know, I try not to name drop too much, but I have uh, started two other Twitter accounts. One's called Learn and Teach Others, and the other one is Higher Learning LV. And that's my training company that's going to be doing all these seminars and courses. Uh, so that's, I, I almost want to drive people to those accounts more than my own, because at the end of the day, it's all going to be about Higher Learning LV. Higher Learning LV and Learn and Teach Others. Yep. Is there anything else we should cover? Because it's a it's an important topic. And I think the most important thing is just that people are cognizant of the trustability or the factuality of the sources they consult. Don't don't just you know do a Google search willy nilly and expect that you're going to get valid results back. This study uh, shows that there is a very good likelihood that you're going to get results that are marginally factual or maybe just totally off the ranch. Yeah, a bit of the Wild West out there Very much. right now. So buyer beware, uh, pay attention to who you're, you're listening to and try to find good information. Caveat emptor, peeps. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. I think that's a wrap. Thanks, Kurt. Hey, thanks, Tom. We'll be back soon. You've been listening to 2420, a special edition podcast series from Cannaboom and Kurt Robbins. Want to learn more and help grow the cannabis movement? Spread the word and follow us on your favorite podcast platform or at Cannaboom.com.